Welcome to the Passion Business Podcast, the podcast for free spirits with a big idea who want to turn their passion into a business. I'm Anke Herman, and I'm your host. My guest today helps business owners in SaaS and services discover how they can run their company more efficiently, which of course leads to a big increase in sales. He created the Strategy Sprints Method that helps his clients double their revenue in 90 days. He's the CEO and founder of Strategy Sprints, which is a global team of certified Strategy Sprints coaches that offers a customized strategy to help clients gain market share and work in weekly sprints, which results in fast execution. He's also a Forbes Business Council member, a contributor to Entrepreneur Magazine, and a member of Duke Corporate Education. Welcome, Simon Severino. Hello and welcome, Simon. I'm excited to have you here. Hey, Anke. Hey, everybody. It's so cool to be here. Wonderful. Like, okay, let's just start out with where you're from originally, where you're based these days, and what's your business? I am an Italian who is in Vienna, Austria. And I'm in the business of helping entrepreneurs run their business smoothly. That's what I do. Mm, awesome, awesome, awesome. So how does an Italian end up in Austria? Like, I mean, you know, obviously somebody who doesn't live where, where she was born. I'm obviously curious. What was your, what, what took you to Italy, uh, no, from Italy? Well, 10 years of economic depression and an atmosphere of, oh, this is boring, the energy is somewhere else. And so, okay, let's see where the energy is. Let's see where the party is. And that led me to um, to explore the world. And then I, I did fall in love with the Viennese woman. And now we have two kids and we are here. And while my business is, meanwhile, since three years, completely remote, and I could do what I do from everywhere, but she has a physical business as a physiotherapist and she likes being here. And now our kids have their friends here. We have our friends here. And so we are quite now stabilized in Vienna and we like it a lot. It has a great balance of culture and nature. And so it's good to be here with kids. That's awesome. Yeah, I do like I do like Austria. I've never spent a lot of time there, but my parents live in the south of Germany. So like quick trip over to Austria is you know the thing to do and yeah no definitely can see can see that it's that it's lovely so do you miss Italy sometimes every time I'm hungry <laughs> <laughs> oh that is funny that's funny <laughs> so we are in okay. Italy every month every year we do one month of italy so basically we live every year 11 months in vienna and one month in south italy where we have our beach house on the ionian sea directly on on the sea and that that is where where both the kids my wife and i we we really recenter detox and rebalance and that energy that carries us through the next 11 months it's really four weeks uninterrupted we did it 17 years never never missed one year and this is really important yeah yeah that's so important yeah actually i think that whole idea of 
allowing ourselves to disconnect and really, really take time out. I think especially introverts, it's always hard because there's always something to do, especially when you love what you do. It's really difficult. I mean, at least <laughs> I, I just speak for myself here. But uh, I often hear it from people that it's actually quite hard to, but then again, you know, in the south of Italy, I don't think it's because it's such a struggle. So, okay, so you help entrepreneurs run their business more smoothly. So any any anyone specifically? Yes, we work only with professional services and SaaS. So consultancies, agencies, and software builders. This is who we work with because they are all in the B2B field. And since my experience, 18 years, I've just been running B2B consultancies. That's it. I've never done anything else. And so basically my network has grown in the B2B and everybody was asking me for B2B advice. How do I enter this market with this product? Should I improve the product or the sales? How do I improve the sales? These were the questions for 18 years. And so I am known in the B2B space and this is where, where I can offer most. So how did you get into that? Like when, I mean, have you always worked for yourself or did you start out in a, in a, in a corporate job and, you know, took, took it to start your own business or have, have it all stop? I did start with a global consultancy where I, I learned the craft from zero. Junior consultant, consultant, senior consultant, junior project manager, project manager, senior project manager, the whole spiel, traditional consultancy. And that was the best learning uh, opportunity for me. It was an El Dorado of learning. I, I, I've never been the smartest person in the room. All these people were flying from New York to Paris and in between we would have three hours together and brainstorm what's the best market entry strategy for BMW or for Beringer Ingelheim. It was really cool. I was reading a ton of books about systems theory, macroeconomics, strategy books, all the strategy books and I love them all. And I still love this field because it's also evolving. But at that time it was really learning from the ground on what is project management? How many large projects can you run at once? How do you stay sane? How do you see the weak signals when you're, when you're getting overwhelmed? What do you do then? How do you delegate? How to structure meetings? And so that was really foundational and important. How to communicate in written and in person. And, and I had, I was lucky because I was a young man full of passion and I, I was fearless. So I always, I always said, yeah, yeah, me, me, me. My boss, he was, he was called by the CEOs of the biggest 100 companies in the world to do strategy for them. And then he would say, okay, we have to do strategy with Novartis. Who comes with me? <laughs> and most of the senior people, they knew, oh my God, that's not, that, that's, that's a hot potato. But I was young and fearless. I was always, I'm, I'm coming, I'm coming. Okay, we start tonight. All right. And we would fly to Paris. We would fly to New York. Three hours later, I was with my boss on the way to New York in the, on the plane. And I would ask, okay, what's the plan? And he says, that's your job to tell me now. And I, and I had to plan something. So that's how I learned. And I loved it. I loved every minute. And then my friends were saying, but Simon, how long are you gonna do this? And I said, just one more year, just one more year. And I said it four times. And then what happened? <laughs> well, <laughs> then I said, okay, now I know how to do it. 
if I know to do, how to do pro market entry strategy and market execution, yeah, let's do it. Let's continue doing this because it works, but in a way that is more authentic, more me, because of course, a big consultancy is of course a machine. Uh, and, and I am not. So how can I align what I do more with who I am? That was my main question. And that is still my most important question. And the easiest way was, hey, Simon, do your own thing. <laughs> you know how to do it. Do your own thing. So I became a freelance consultant. You could book me. I would fly to New York. I would moderate your workshop and we would rock your strategy design and execution in your country. Did that couple of years and then I had... Oh, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> <Yeah>. wait. <laughs> so yeah. how did you get your first client, that first client that hired you as a, as a freelancer rather than Simon as somebody on the team of that big company? Well, I, I had a network, of course, because I had helped people for four years. And now when we say four years, that means I was working 364 days per year. I did not, I did not not work for one day of these four years because, you know, if you, in four years, if you want to, to be, to do that, that speedy career that I did, you have to outpace all, your, all of your colleagues. And so I was saying yes to all the projects. And that means there was no day when I was not on. So in these four years, I did 364 days because I guess one day I had Christmas. But and so except of the summer break, I was working every day and every weekend. So I had at that time thousands of days spent with teams. These teams are made of four or five XX. So I had hundreds of people that had a positive memory. And of course, some of them uh, would call me. I, I thought some of them will call me. So I did set up a website so that, so that I, I am findable and, and some social medias. Yeah, I started with social medias. And so, and I was found. I was found by the first one that was enough for the first quarter. In B2B, you don't need a ton of clients. I had just three, four clients in the first year. That was enough. But it was basically, I, I mean, I love, I love that you're saying that. It's, it's, it comes back to relationships always, doesn't it? Yes, networking and a specific, a specific way of relationship. One that gets deeper and better month by month. One that when it's over, they miss you and they call you. That kind of relationship made the difference. I was not on hundreds of conferences because as, as I told you, I was always working. So I, I, I had only, my network was only my clients. But my hope was that since they have touched the value, they know that when I am in the room, we have better decisions, more structured plans, and people do that in their countries because we, we have an execution system and not just a plan, but an execution system. And I guess we will talk more about systems because that's what I'm all about. Habits, routines, and systems that you can rely on especially in times when you cannot rely on anything outside because it's changing all the time. So what's the 5% you can really do? And that's the systems. And so I was all about systems and they knew you can have a great plan, 
but people are just not gonna do it. We, we did so many plans and then people in their countries, they just wouldn't do what headquarters says. So you need systems, uh, you need systems, loops, communication loops, performance metrics, and especially systems, a cadence of conversations around the right numbers, the few numbers and right numbers. And that was what I was known for. When you have Simon in the room, well, first the plan, he will challenge the plan until it's really working. And then second, he will not let go of the execution loops. Every week, he will ask for progress reports from every single one. So everybody will be a project manager in there and he will be relentless. He will be a pain if, if somebody doesn't report. He will lie there and ask for a report. <laughs> yeah, I get, I mean, it's, it's, I was giggling when you were saying that because you get it. I mean, I see it all the time, you know, I'm all about implementation, you know, because I see, like, I think we're very similar in a lot of ways is that an idea or a plan is just hot air until you actually implement it. You know, it, it means nothing. Now I'm curious when you started being your own boss, was there something that you thought, oh, never saw that coming? Something that was different from what you expected being your own boss would be? It could be positive or negative, like either way. Everything was different. <laughs> Some things ma made me really humble. So first year was easy. Becoming a freelancer was easy. Doing my first half a million revenue was easy took me i think eight months and then everything become hard the first hardest part was sales my goodness how do you do your sales if you are also doing the work so there was a real problem that if you run a business you cannot be part of the fulfillment so very early, I realized, Simon, you can either be fulfillment or you can be management. You cannot be both. Otherwise, you will do both very badly. And so you need to get out of fulfillment, Simon. I, I, I researched business coaches for myself and I booked one that, that was really, really helpful. And I said, hey, my goal is to be two levels above fulfillment in 12 months. Uh, help me. <laughs> and, and that was helpful. And it was a, a process. And, and that was inner work and outer work of learning the tools also. But the inner work, especially, hey, this is me being in a room and that's the magic to, hey, no, the magic is the impact. It's not the person. Simon, this is ego. Who is speaking now? This is not impact speaking. This is ego speaking. So if we let aside the ego, what is there? Let's look at the customer, the problem and the solution. And there is a certain process to solve that, that you always do. So if, 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 if you let somebody interview you, what do you do in week zero? What do you do in week one? What do you do in week two? You have a checklist in your head. You have a structure. And so that was the challenging part. My, my coach challenged me, get that structure out of your head, Simon. The first thing we created an online course. And, and that I used to teach my colleagues. So basically 
I fired myself from fulfillment. I start teaching my colleagues what the method is, what I would do in week zero and week one, in week two, in week three. Of course, it was always different, but also it was always the same. In week zero, I diagnose. In week one, we set up the, the, the process. And the process is always the same. Weekly daily habits, weekly habits, monthly habits. Three numbers, reports every seven days. Cadence of the strategy meeting, of the execution meeting, of the sales meeting. It's really always the same if, if you want it to work. And so, and then you work on the variations. Why do people don't do that right now? And then you have to do, again, a specific form of the conversation. You have to bring everybody in the room. Why are we not experiencing this? What's going on? But that's also a process because you know in advance that this will happen and you need that loop. And so go. Like I think it's I think a lot of people in theory know you can't do it all, but I think especially what you were saying, it's like, yeah, well, you know, I'm the one bringing the magic in here. You know, how can I how can I teach it? And who would be able, like, you know, that letting go of, you know, nobody, you know, you often get it like, oh, nobody can do it this part, nobody can do it as well as I can. Do you find that to be true in the end or not? I think it's mostly ego. If you look at it, there is a problem and there is a solution framework, then the framework is much more important than the the person. People can go in and out of frameworks. Now, if you want to help me train for a marathon, there are three, four plans that you need to uh, work out with me. And then you have to get me doing it (laughs) and to help me get on track again if I stop doing it. We need a sleeping plan. We need a training plan. We need an eating plan. Now, of course, it will be different if it's be done by Peter or Anke or Maria. But what is really the impact? The impact is the process of me putting in the work being supported by the three support structures. And so really the work is to build the support structures and then everybody can coach Simon to run a marathon. So the work would be once building that support structure, that process that says we have to create these three plans and we have to create a daily accountability. And then look in just now in two minutes, we have just created a certification program for a marathon training. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So if you go with the patterns, it's everything is systemizable. And, and now many personal trainers will, yeah, but it's highly personal. Sure. Every trainer will have to look at exactly why Simon is not eating right this week. And that has to do with his specific situation. Of course, you have to listen very carefully to that situation and picking up at his bus stop and then helping him get into the cadence. Yes, that's highly unique, but the process is always the same. How will you do it? Yeah, I think it's, it's, I mean, I think most things that look really unique, it's almost, it feels like, well, you just haven't seen enough of it yet to recognize the patterns, right? Because the patterns always become apparent. Now, what I'm really intrigued by is the the cadence, like the, what's the plan when you're slipping? How do you plan for that? Like, I guess there will be patterns for where people slip and what people stumble over. But how do you normally approach a plan like that? 
Yeah, it starts with the philosophy that I think everything will be sleeping. I don't think there is anything else than sleeping. We have zero control. So the first part of, of our philosophy of the strategy sprints method is 95% is out of your control. You cannot control the markets. You cannot control revenue. You cannot control anything. 95% out of your control. But 5% you can control. And this is the process. We call it the three habits, the daily habit, weekly habit, monthly habit. So if you're driving in the dark, and this is for me the main situation, I'm telling this now 16 years on, on stages of the world, now on podcasts, not on stages anymore. But since 11 years, I'm telling you don't know what's coming. You cannot know. You have only assumptions and they mostly will, will be wrong. And then, and, and, you know, for 10 years, nobody was listening and then COVID came and now people get it. So, okay, now we are all on the same boat. We know that we are driving in the dark and we know that even small things like viruses are stronger than us. They can disrupt the whole supply chain and we have no material. So, okay, who is in control here? Not us. And what are the 5%? So if my supply chain can break down next week, if markets can pivot next week, if some parts of my PNL, like mine that is in crypto, can go down 30% in one day and up to 100% in two weeks, which is happening right now, what are the 5% that I can really control? So daily habit, weekly habit, monthly habit. Daily habit, we write down how we allocate our time. At six o'clock I'm running, seven breakfast with the kids, eight deep work on uh, writing a chapter of a book, etc. And then afternoon meetings, interviews, and then at some point, end of the day. Now, when I end the day, I have two reflective questions that I have to fill out before I design the next day. One is, of all the things that I did today, which one can somebody else do better than me tomorrow. And this helps you identify time suckers, energy suckers, and low leverage tasks. Get rid of them. Start writing down. And as soon as you will find them two, three times on your, on your notes, you will start delegating them. And then the second uh, question is, if I would live more freely and more intentionally, what would I do tomorrow? This is where you go, oh, I always wanted to write a book to start a podcast. Oh, but I have never time for that. So, okay, let's start making time for it. Start a project. And these two things, the daily habit of just writing down the day, the flow of tomorrow in the evening with these two reflective questions. That sounds so simple, but that is, that is super powerful. Because now, of course, I want everybody in the team to do it. I am, I am the role model in terms of that I do it every day and it's, it's visible, but I expect everybody to do it. And one example is one, one of my first colleagues, Michelle, she started as a virtual assistant, remote virtual assistant, doing just LinkedIn outreach. And then year by year, she has got more responsibility because she was doing this for herself. She was finding her tasks that are time suckers, energy suckers for her. And whenever she would find that, she would say, okay, Simon, I think 
10 hours of doing that and that, I should delegate. And I go, yes, yes, you have the budget, go. Go, hire, onboard, delegate. And so she did, she started with that little task and then the next task and the next task and the next task. Four years later, she is now head of marketing. She has hired dozens of people and she runs the marketing. But it just started with this simple daily exercise. That's the daily Yeah, I think it's that there's this, this saying, and I can't remember when we said it, but it's like we totally, we overestimated what we can do in a day and we underestimate what we can do in a year or three years or something. And I think to document, and I, you know, I had, a, I had a sewing, my first business was a sewing business, and I really saw very soon that our idea of our guesses for where time goes are really like not very accurate. <laughs> You know, like you really have to have to measure, don't you? Yes, yes. It helps you find the blind spots. Like since I do this, I do this now five years every day. And I still find things that that don't serve me. And uh, okay, that's the next thing to delegate, to systemize or to cut. Yeah, no, I love that. <laughs> and so what's the difference between like daily habits, weekly and monthly habits? So the daily is how you allocate your time and what to systemize next. The weekly is get your numbers reported. Hmm. Mark three marketing numbers, three sales numbers, three operations numbers. Get them reported. Now, even if you are a solo trainer with just one person, well, then you have to report all the three every seven days to yourself. And, uh, and so pick the three numbers. Don't do 17 numbers. Most people have 17 different metrics. The YouTube watch time, the number of subscribers here, the number of... Who cares? Pick the three that will tell you 80% of the story that you need to know. And the story that you need to know is, am I going in the right direction at the right speed? So pick the three and make a dashboard out of that. For example, we have one dashboard with one marketing number, one sales number, one operations number per 90 days. And, and meanwhile, they don't even change anymore after 90 days, but we review every 90 days. Is this still the most important number or do we change the number? We changed it a couple times. Now it's there. And every week, every Friday, when we come together as a team, that is prepared in advance and we look at it and we see the three numbers, we see where we are, where we want to be, and if it's going up or down. And that makes a huge difference. It, imagine you are playing Angry Birds, you shoot the bird, and then it says, instead of saying 500 points, it says, well, Congrats, you have shot the bird. In two weeks, you will get a report. <laughs> exactly. Nobody will play it because the principle, the principle of flow, and 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 that 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 game became so popular. And this team has done a ton of games, but this one became popular. And my assumption is because it has understood the principles of flow. And, and one principle of flow is direct, immediate feedback. You only do things where you feel that something's, 
some something's going on, something's going forward. You get energy back, and that feedback becomes a positive loop. You want more of it. If you don't do that, you will just drain energy out of the system, and then you have the boring meetings, uh, boring business, and uh, yeah, energy going down. You want energy to go up. So gamification is really important in our team. And, and it's simple. It starts with this weekly habit of having these three numbers and we look at these three numbers. This way, it doesn't feel like you are head of the postal office of your country and you're getting these boring meetings with boring reports. It's friends playing basket. You see the goal. All right, three numbers, let's get them up. What happens when, when you shoot the bird and it says 600 points? And then you shoot the bird again and it says 700 points. What do you want to do next? Well, I think it's, I always call it that nothing's more addictive than progress, right? And when you see that progress, you just want more of it. And I remember like when I stumbled across the Spanish course that kind of ended up with me living in Spain, you know, it was just literally that. I just studied Spanish just for the pure fun of it. There was no reason or no, no need for it. It was just... You know, I wanted to have a better time and a trip, but I got hooked on, on the progress because right? they were quite clever in that way. There was always lots of feedback, lots of quick wins. You know, there was something and you always like, oh, Jesus, like I can do more than I thought I could. So you want, you know, you, you kind of have these successes and it, nothing's more inspiring to have you to have you do more of it. Yeah. So what's the monthly? What's the monthly habit? Monthly habit. Now, once a while you have to also strategy. So once a month for one hour, we do strategy. And because we have the tools, we can do that in 30 minutes and the rest of the 30 minutes is discussion. So how do you do strategy in 30 minutes? If you use the equalizer, which people can download for free on our website, strategiesprints.com slash equalizer, you, in half a minute, you can do a competitive analysis, checking yourself against your three top competitors and seeing in the, in the 10, most important things if you are winning or if they are winning. When you know that, then you decide where to cut costs and energy next month and where to put more costs and energy in. So where to invest more uh, time and money. If, if, if you use the equalizer, it will ask you a couple of questions. And then at the end, you have three buckets. It says, okay, here your, your competitors are winning in this activity. So cut the amount of time and money that you put in there. In the middle, it will say, you are mad, they are mad. So just reduce it a little bit, maybe 5%, 10%. And then on the right side, it says, you are winning here. Double down. And then you will find your one or two categories where you are already winning. So there's nothing new or additional that you need to do. Our whole method works with reducing activities, but also systemizing them. And, and so you find what works for you and you do more of that. And where do you take, where do you take the time and money? From the other side, where you have just cut 20%, 30%, because your competitor is, is winning. So even if you put a lot of effort, you will be same as competitor. Who wants that? We want to be number one. And so it's better to niche down and be number one in where we are already winning. So it will say these two features, you are winning already. For example, speed and CEO to CEO coaching. It's already where you are number one, all right? Then 
we will cut from the other side. Where are we losing? Research, software, tech. All right, let's cut there. Let's move it here. So when in this month, it will be easy, right? And let's cut the amount of software that helps us doing that. Let's cut the amount of trainings that we are having for our people on that. Let's cut the amount of time that we invest in improving that part of the product. And let's put more time and money into improving this part of the product, this part of the sales. That's the monthly. Uh, I love that. I love the, the focusing on what you're already good at and amplify and go really double down there rather than try and catch up on the things where where we're not so good at. That's fascinating. Yeah, I love that. And I think it looking at things from that structured process point of view, I think that does offer people sort of the guidance and the sense of predictability and safety that I think most entrepreneurs are sort of seeking because it is everything's moving. And as you say, like there's 95%, you know, we're flying blind in a way, but I think there is that something to hold on to and something to give you direction and make sure you move forward in the right direction. And I love it that it's that iterative process that you come back and you keep reviewing, are we still on track? Is something changing and it's flexible at the same time? So I really love that. So what, what's next for you? Where are you headed? I keep doing my daily, weekly and monthly habits and we are growing every week. And I, last week I've onboarded two new strategy sprints coaches. So we have become, meanwhile, we have become a franchise in, in many, many countries. So people call me and say, I want to become strategy sprints Argentina. How can I do that? And, and I, I show them the business model and the certification model and they come in and say, all right, I'm now Stradius Prince Argentina, let's rock this. And so we invite them to the Monday meetings. Monday is where all coaches come together and we are growing. So they are growing their revenue. We overall are growing our revenue. We are helping more and more people in more and more regions of the world every week. And, and my job is just really to, to go with the flow. So I go with the problem and uh, I help repair the problems. Because as you know, with growth, every time you have systems and they are running and now you grow, then some part breaks. And so my job is go with the flow. Okay, we're growing in this category, in that country. Go with the flow and observe the weak signals, oh, this will break next. So, okay, I need to work on form, fit and function of that part of the sales or of the marketing or of the operations, because this will break next. If we get 15 more clients at once there, this part will break. So my job is, okay, in the morning when I have my deep work time, I will put two to three hours and think that whole thing through and work it through. And then coming up with a protocol, a governance, a system, call it as you want, an SOP for that product or for that country, uh, one that is scalable. Mm. And when I need help, I book coaches myself or in the Monday meeting, because all these people are amazingly smart, I come with a draft and I ask them for work critique. And I say, yeah, that might be scalable. That are Because my colleagues, they were, they were running Google, Ernst & Young, Coca-Cola, some of them are in the advisory board of eSports. These people are smarter than I am. So I come in with a, a draft of something. I think if with this model, we could scale and, and they 
they shoot holes in it and then I go and make a second round and then 10 days later it's it's ready and that one it's like a spiral and we are on the next level of that spiral and we are systemized again until the next thing breaks and my job is That's to go with the flow. I think it's, oh, it's that continuous spiral right and it's just recognizing that it just won't you know it won't be straight line and you just go around and and yeah but I love it you know the idea of identifying things that are about to break before you're <laughs> they have the problem at hand. So where can people go find out about you and, you know, get the the tools you have? You have a whole bunch of tools on your website. So where can people go and find out? Obviously, I'm going to pop those in the show notes, but for those who are just listening, I'd love you to spell it out for them. Strategiesprints.com. And if you're looking for that specific equalizer tool, it's strategiesprints.com slash equalizer. And we are on all socials everywhere. So if you say Simon Severino or Strategy Sprints, you will find us everywhere. We hang out on all social places and we like to interact. So happy to answer questions. Fabulous. Well, thank you so much. That was inspiring and immensely practical and valuable at the same time. So thank you so much for coming. And yeah, let's systemize more businesses. <laughs> Thank you, Anke. Thank you, everybody. Keep rolling. Thank you. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe and leave a review to help others find it. If you are a coach, speaker or author, a passionate big picture thinker with a vision and you want to build an online business to reach and impact more people, go to passionbusinesspodcast.com and download a free copy of my book, Taming the Tech Monster. And join my free community, Don't Just Learn, Create, Business Building for Mavericks to connect with others on the same path. That's passionbusinesspodcast.com. I'll speak to you soon.